love you. We praise you. We glorify you today in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, to challenge us, and to convict us. God, we need your word in our life, and so we pray that you would speak directly to us. God, we pray that we wouldn't leave here the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll be in 1 Samuel 17. We're finishing 1 Samuel 17 this morning. If you're just joining us for the first time, this is what we do. We go through the Bible line by line. We've been in 1 1 Samuel for a few months. We just happen to be finishing up 1 Samuel 17. I'm glad you're here. Follow along. So uh, 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 38, it says, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook, and then he put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine... You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. So it was. When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine, that David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut his head off with it. Some good Bible. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. Now the men of Israel and Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley into the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road to Sharaim, even as far as Gath and Ekron. Then the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem and he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David going out against the Philistines, he said to Abner, the commander of his army, Abner, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I do not know. So the king said, inquire whose son this young man is. Then as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? So David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Man, that's a good story. That's good. The title of today's sermon is called Win Every Battle. 
And what I hope from this sermon is that you can understand that with God, you can win every battle that you're, that you're going through or that you've gone through. We serve a God that can help you win every single battle. The reality is, is that battles come when you least expect it. Battles in your job, in your finances, your health, your family, your work, spiritual battles. But if you hope to win these battles, you have got to operate with some spiritual principles. You can't expect to win these battles if you don't operate by spiritual principles. And so today, we're going to walk through this story. We're going to grab stuff out of it so that you can win every battle. You, you ready? Yeah. All right, let's get into it. The first, first point is this. If you are going to win the battle, you cannot go in with somebody else's armor. You cannot go into battle with somebody else's armor. Uh, in verse 38, it says, So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to the armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. What's happened in this story is that Saul is the king. David is not. And so Saul's trying to help David out. And he says, you know what? I'm going to give you my armor so that you can go into this battle. David puts on the armor as then as begins to move forward. He's like, wait a minute. This isn't my armor. Like, how am I going to be able to fight this battle? Uh, and it says that he couldn't use the armor because he hadn't tested it himself. And so as he went into battle, he took it off. He has to take it off. See, what David understood going into this battle is that, you know what, I'm going to be better off with my own power, uh, with the strength of the Lord on my side, than going into battle with somebody else's armor that hasn't been battle-tested with me. See, what David understood is that I've got to be ready on my own. I can't go in with somebody else's armor expecting to win. Psalm 26, 2, David said, examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. Uh, David's, uh, we've talked about David a lot, and, and we talk about how David was a man after God's own heart. And so we look at the life of David, what we see is that he lived in this constant state of reflection, this constant state of like, God, prepare me, make me ready, do things inside of my life that are going to make me a better man. And so when stuff like this comes into his life, he's already prepared because he's already been been trusting God. Amen? Amen. It's interesting part of this story that Saul wants to help David by giving him his armor without giving him his help. <laughs> Very interesting. Saul says, well, you're going up against this Goliath. I'm not really going to help you, but feel free to use my stuff. If you want to go in, I'm not, I'm not going to help you, but I will give you my stuff. But David can't use Saul's armor for this fight. He has to depend on God and his experience with him to be able to win. See, this guy David is a very strong man of faith. He trusts in God. He's willing to fight. But he is someone that already knows how to trust God. So he's going into this fight with Goliath on the back of his personal relationship with the Creator. With his own armament. He's not going into this battle expecting, well, I'm going to use somebody else's armor to help me. David was a soldier, man. He was a man of war. Psalm 144, 1, Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my deliverer, my shield and the one in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. If you weren't here, we talked about how David had been trained before. David was a shepherd. He had been out with the sheep. 
And, and while he was out with the sheep, he had to fight lions and bears and all these other things that were trying to steal the sheep. And so he'd already been in battle. He had already fought. This wasn't his first battle that he had ever done. He had fought before. And so now as he's going into this, he says, you know what? God helped me with the lion. God helped me with the bear. God is going to help me with this guy as well. I don't need somebody else's armor. I don't need somebody else's experience. I don't need somebody else's faith. I got my own faith. I got my own armor and I'm ready for the battle. What does it mean to you? You cannot go into battle on someone else's armor. If you have battles in your life and they're going to come, you cannot go in on someone else's faith. You can't go in on, well, my grandpa was a preacher or, you know, my, my mom was a prayer warrior or my spouse is a really good Christian. You will not make it in a spiritual battle on someone else's faith. You're going to lose. You're going to lose royalty, uh, royally. You've got to have your own faith. You can't rest on someone else will pray for me. You got to fight on your own. You can't even say like, man, I got a really good pastor. I know he'll pray for me and I will. But you can't, you, you can't go in just on that and think like, well, I go to a good church. I got a good pastor. I don't need to develop my own faith. Not at all. Because you like David trying to put on someone else's armor, you will find yourself unable to do so. I'm telling you, church, you better grow in your relationship with God on your own terms. You cannot expect to go into battle and win if you're not training yourself in righteousness and growing your own spiritual muscle. You've got to be developing your own Christian walk on your own. you got to take this thing seriously, man. Like, I understand, like, we are the body of Christ, and we stand together as one unit. But individually, we are the parts of the body. That's what the Word says. You have an individual responsibility as part of the body, and when you don't do your individual responsibility, the whole body suffers. It's important that you build your individual faith. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 4, But let each one, you, examine your own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. See, when you, when you build spiritual muscle and you grow in righteousness, you know that you're stronger in the faith. You know that you can go into stuff and be able to deal with stuff. And I tell you, man, you've got to constantly be looking at yourself and saying, man, God, where's an area of my life that I need to grow? Where's an area of my life that I need to improve? And, and it's not, and can we move past this thing of like, well, man, you're, you're saying we're not saved. Dude, you're fully saved, but you can live a really bad life and be saved. Yeah. Or you can live a victorious life in Christ Jesus Amen. and grow some spiritual muscle. Amen. There's a story in Acts chapter 19, verse 11. It says, now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them with the evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. (sighs) Not good. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. If you go around trying to lean on somebody else's faith, you're going to get beat up by a demon and be running out of the house naked. It's what the Bible says. 
You you cannot go into some spiritual battle and on that day be like, how does Pastor Matt pray? What what are we supposed to do? Oh, I'm just going to use the words Pastor Matt uses, and then this demon will that demon will attack you. You run out of your house naked. You got to build your own faith. You got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You got to walk with Jesus on your own. First Timothy four seven. But reject profane and old wives' fables. And exercise yourself towards godliness. Where's your prayer life? How much have you been reading your Bible? How many Christians have you been hanging out with that are pushing you back towards God? You know, one of my really good friends, Pastor Ong. Uh, you guys, say amen if you know Pastor Ong. Man, he's a mighty man of faith. I love him so much. Him and his wife, Connie. I think we're having lunch with them tomorrow, actually. And... Uh, uh, We've just known him for years. He's been a missionary all over the planet. He's planted churches in India and Africa and Japan and Hollywood. And now he planted a church in Renton, Renton Christian, Renton International Christian Center. He said the hardest place in the world to plant a church is Renton. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they, they just have this life of faith. And, and a few months ago I was at his house. Uh, to meet with him because me and Jay were preparing to go to Ghana with him. That trip didn't happen, but Pastor Ong was on his way to go to Lebanon. And so we're there and we're talking and, and then I was like, oh, how's your daughter, uh, Cassandra? And he said, oh, she's sick. And I said, well, what's going on? She, and I don't remember exactly what was wrong medically, but she was sick, sick. Like, and so she, they live in the Carolinas, but they had flown her to St. Louis to be with a specialist. Connie had flown out there and was with Cassandra and she had been there for like 10 days. And I, and, and I was like, man, so where are we at on this? And he's like, well, she could die. He said, that's, uh, that's where we're at. And I was like, you're going to Lebanon tomorrow, right? And he was like, yeah. I said, well, why don't you cancel the trip uh, to go be with your daughter? He was like, I've prayed about it and I'm believing and trusting God that she's going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. And even if she's not, even if he doesn't, I'm good. And I, and I, and I remember in that moment, I just was like, there was all this emotion that was going on inside me. One of it was that like, dude, where are you at, bro? Like, you don't even care about your daughter. But then as I really thought through it, I was like, man, where am I at with my faith? Yes, right? Yes. I mean, this, this, you don't understand, man. Pa- Pastor Ong's a man who saw his wife healed from cancer when they lived in Africa because they didn't have medical treatment. This, this is a man that had seen God move, you know, more times than I can count. Dude, his daughter was fine. She was healed. <laughs> he went to Lebanon and Cassandra's back in the Carolinas and she's living life, whatever. That, that's the kind of faith you have to have. There's so, there's so many Christians nowadays, like, you know, it's, they get a flat tire and there's the like, I don't know if I can serve God anymore. It's like, really? Is that the worst thing that's going on in your life? Man, I lost my job. There's lots of jobs, man. Like build some spiritual grit, man. Build some spiritual muscle. How do you do that? Number two, <clears throat> if you if you want to win the battle, you have to arm yourself. You have to arm yourself. First Samuel 17, verse 40. Then he, David, took his staff in his hand and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and he put them in a shepherd's bag and a pouch which he had and a sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. Now, David's choice to fight the Goliath was five stones. Um, and there's been a lot of speculation on the five stones. If you've been around church or Christians, you've heard the story of David Goliath, you probably would say like, well, you know, there's a five this and a five that. And people say, Pastor, why did he choose five stones? 
I don't know, man. Like there's some speculation from Second uh, Samuel 21 that Goliath had four brothers, whatever. The bottom line is this, is I can categorically say according to the Bible that he had five stones. I know that he had five stones because it's in the Bible. I don't know why. Maybe his pouch only could hold that. Maybe he grabbed him with one hand. Maybe he just wanted to have everything that he had to go up against Goliath. You know, the, the promise that David had wasn't that he would take down Goliath with one stone. The promise was that he would take down Goliath. And so when he went into the battle, he said, you know what, man? I'm going to take everything that I can with me. I don't know how this is going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to take five of them. He was prepared. He didn't just go into this battle on his faith alone. David knew that he was going to be used by God, but he wasn't just going to stand back and watch God move. He was going to be used by God. Right? I mean, uh, like, you've got to live with this idea that I'm, I'm going to prepare myself to be used by God and I'm going to work in concert with God. David was there. He needed to arm himself. And for whatever it was that he was going to be involved in. And I will tell you, man, sometimes God fights your battles and sometimes he gives you strength for the battles. Sometimes he gives and he gives you time to prepare. I, I could come down here and I could preach a sermon on any Sunday completely unprepared. Why? Because I know the word of God. I have the spirit of God living inside of me, but it's a whole lot better when I prepare it. <laughs> Right? It would be, it would be pretty good. It'd be, it'd be okay. I mean, it would be good. It would honor God. But I don't come down here thinking like, well, I don't need to prepare. God is God. I'm like, well, he gives you the time to prepare. It'd probably be good that you were ready before Sunday morning. Nothing wrong with preparation. First Samuel 17, 37. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. See, God is delivering David and the Israelites from the Philistines. And the method he uses is David and his slingshot. God uses David and his slingshot to do great and miraculous things. David, now here's the thing. People say, well, you know, David used a slingshot. He, he didn't use a catapult, man. It's a small guy with a rock and a, a rock and a slingshot to take a big, that's still a miraculous thing. <laughs> But you gotta put the stone in the slingshot. You can't just come out and be like, God said that you would fall. Fall before me, Goliath. No, he went out there and he's like, listen man, I'm gonna give this guy everything that I got. I'm gonna arm myself for the battle that I'm going into. What does it mean to you? Church, you have got to move past this fatalistic idea that it's God's job to do everything and you do nothing. That's just not, that's just not Bible, man. The Bible doesn't say that at all. This idea of like, well, I don't have to do anything. God is all powerful and he's almighty. You you got up this morning, didn't you? You got dressed, didn't you? You got in your car, rode your bike, walked down. You got here by some sort of conveyance. You were involved in the process. You know, people say, oh, you know, if God wanted me to have a job, he'd bring one to me. Well, that's miraculous. 99.9% of people I know with jobs applied for them. Right? You sure figure out a way to eat. You don't lay on your ground and be like, if God wanted cake in my mouth, he would pour it in. <laughs> Dude, you're in the kitchen getting that second piece in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. <laughs> you're involved in the process, man. The Christian faith is a faith of action. We must preach. We must serve. We must love. We must do deeds. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, 2, preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Convince. That's what I'm doing to you right now. Rebuke. You'll get some of that later. Exhort with all long suffering and teaching. The Bible says in Proverbs 24, 27, prepare your outside work. Make it fit for yourself in the field and afterward build your house. Action. Luke 14, 28, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether or not he has enough to finish it? Action. Action. I'm telling you, man, you are going to go through battles in your life. What are you arming yourself with? What are, what, what are you putting in your pouch? What five stones are you grabbing? Are you arming yourself with negativity? Unforgiveness? Hate? Doubt? Frustration? Anger? Lust? Addiction? The things of this world? What are you arming yourself with? Because the battle is coming. What is in your hands of this battle? For me, number one, I'm arming myself with the Word of God. I want to know what this Bible says. I want to know the promises of God. If something comes into my life, I'm going to know what this Bible says and what God said about my situation. I'm going to read it. I'm going to listen to preaching. I'm going to surround myself with the Word of God. Number two, I'm arming myself with the spirit of the living God inside of me. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be wall-to-wall Holy Ghost, man. I want to be so filled with God's spirit that people are offended by the mere presence of me in the room. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, man. Not some kind of sprinkling, fully dunked, can't do nothing else, filled with the Holy Ghost, kind of spilled. Number three, I'm arming myself with an army. I want to be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I'm staying in the church, man. And I'm, you know, praise God for this church. Because there's a bunch of men in this church that got saved from something. Hallelujah. So if we ever need to go there, we will go there. Amen. Don't hang around with people that ain't got a past. Woo! Hang around with people that got a past. Amen. That's how I'm going into battle. I, I tell you, man, dude, it never, it's never going to go there, but if it had to go there, I would go to war with the men of this church, man. We got some men in this church, some good, strong, Bible-believing men. Whew. Number four, I'm arming myself with worship. Man, I'm going to be constantly worshiping God. I want to be here every time I can, worshiping the Lord. I'm going to worship Him in my car. I'm going to worship Him at home. I'm going to be a worshiper. Number five, I'm arming myself with a healthy soul and body that's not filled with sin. The time to get rid of the sin in your life isn't while you're going into the battle. It's before. you got to be healthy because you got to be ready at any time. What are you arming yourself with? What are you putting in your mind, in your spirit, in your body? Who's your army? Who are you leaning on as you prepare for battle? Because if you want to win this battle, folks, you have got to believe God. You have got to believe God. See, see what David does in this story is that he, and earlier, he knows he's going to fight. He knows he's going to win. But then as he goes into this battle, he's calling out to God in that moment and saying, God, this is that moment. Lord, would you be with me? Would you help me? Would you help me get through this thing? He didn't go in on his own strength. You know, well, you know, I prayed about it and I know I'm going to be good about it. I'm going to just go in about it. It's like, no, man, I'm going through with God's strength. I'm going in with his power. He says in verse 46, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. See what David knew is that the way that he lived was always, I'm not going to do this on my own. I'm going to do it believing God. 
He knew that without God, he had no chance of being victorious over Goliath. He had to fight. Would you, would you understand that this Bible was not written for you to learn to trust in yourself? This Bible is written for you to learn how to trust in God. And you know, I, I always make the uh, proposition at the end of this sermon, I'm going to ask you whether or not you want to become a Christian. And people say like, oh man, I don't think I have what it takes to be a Christian. That's the whole point. None of us do. I can't do it on my own strength. Have you, have you been like out of your house lately? It's crazy out there. I have no idea how people live this life without Jesus, man. I can't even get out of bed in the morning without him. Man, you need the Holy Ghost just to go to Walmart. You know what I mean? Dude, you need it. Psalm 28, 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in Him and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoices and with my song I will praise Him. See, David knew he was in the fight of his life. And, and, and for those of you who didn't hear the sermon before, the proposition that Goliath made to Israel was like, we're going to have a fight one-on-one. If you lose, you guys become, uh, the Israel becomes slaves of the Philistines. If you guys win, we'll become your slaves. This is a huge all or nothing proposition. This isn't like a, well, we lose this one, we'll get the next one. This is for it. This is for all the Doritos. Like you're, it's right now, right? And David knew this is the only way I can get through this thing is with God on my side. What does it mean to you? Who are you trusting as you go into the battles of your life? Are you trusting in yourself? Because I tell you, man, I ain't trusting in myself. I, I've seen what I'm like without Jesus, and he's a weak, hapless man. He doesn't have what it takes at all. Are you going to trust yourself? Or are you going to trust God? I implore you today, trust God. Amen? I'm not sure if you noticed, but life is hard, man. There's a ton of Goliaths that are going to go up when you, when you least expect it. You think like, oh, well, my life's pretty squared away, but next thing you know, you're in a, you're in a, in a fight with your spouse. No one else? Okay. I always say that stuff and everyone's just like. Dude. Me and Chris are going to be having a great day. And then all of a sudden it just goes, dunk. I'll tell you whose fault it is. It's usually not hers. She's over live streaming the office right now, probably screaming, amen. Sickness can happen at any moment. Jobs, family, probably like dealing with your extended family, sin, temptation, death, traffic. Dude, I, you know, I always feel like I'm really doing well. And then one day it just like, I don't know. Anybody else? Okay. This is for you. You guys need Jesus. Joshua one nine. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord, your God. He is with you wherever you go. Let me, let me show you the scripture in, uh, Jeremiah, man, I love this scripture. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. 
I, I got to tell you, man, if you are not living your life trusting God, l- l- living for Jesus is the way to live. And I'll tell you, man, in my own life, I am fully prepared with my spouse, my friends, my kids, my family, all of you. I'm completely fine with losing everything and standing before you and saying, man, I just trusted God. It's not on me. Like the the outcome's not on me. My my job is to trust God. What's interesting in my whole life, I've never met somebody who fully trusts God whose life was destroyed. Never. I've never heard that story whatsoever. I'm prepared if that's my story. Because I'm, I'm just, I, I'm convinced, I'm fully contra- convinced that I'm going to do everything in my life fully trusting God. And that's for everything, man, whether it's pastoring or my finances or the health of my family, the health of my relationships. I'm going to trust God. I'll tell you why people don't trust God is because they're afraid of losing. They're worried about the outcome. They feel like, oh man, if I could just hold on to this thing really tight, then I know I can win. And it never works that way, ever. You're worried about fear of failure and you're, and really where it comes from is it comes from a lack of knowledge of the word of God. It comes from never having any area of your life where you're trusting God. And so what are you doing in your life to trust God? Like where, where are you serving that it's uncomfortable? Where, where, what are you giving that it's uncomfortable? What are, what are you doing with your life where you have to like actually put yourself in situations where you've got to trust God? Because if, if, if you need to trust God in the big things, you need to trust God in the small things. Jesus said, who be faithful in a little, be faithful in a lot. People say, well, I'll trust God when something big comes along. It's like, dude, you can't even be faithful to something little, right? Be faithful with the little. It's, it's funny. People say, oh man, I want to better this. You're not even taking care of the little that that God gave you. Not loving that and cultivating that and taking care of that. Can't be trusted with a little. You're not going to be trusted with a lot. You know, years ago, uh, Jen's husband, Casey, uh, flight instructor down at uh, Auburn Airport, he was like, hey, dude, let's go up and let's go flying. I was like, no, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> so I just, I really don't like flying. I'll do it. We're going to fly to Iowa later this week. Uh, excuse me, this month. Um, and uh, I just don't like it. It just seems like a joke. Like you get up in this big thing and, and, and like, I don't even know how it stays in the air. It's like a magic trick. It's, it's voodoo. I'm sure of it. And so I'm just not interested in all. I always picture the guys in the front when there's turbulence being like, Oh, we're losing it. Like, this is what I think. And so he's like, Oh, we're going to go up in this plane. And so we get down and we're in Auburn. We're one of those planes. Right. And so we're going, and so we get on the, we get on the tarmac and get ready to take, there's two steering wheels in there. And he's like, all right, dude, you're going to fly this plane. I'm like, I'm going to what? Like, yeah, dude, you're going to fly this plane. I'm like, what? and he goes, you better start. And then like the plane starts going forward and I'm, he's like, grab the wheel. And he's sitting like this. So I grabbed the wheel. It's like, all right, dude, you're going to fly. He goes, get ready. Start to pull back. And I was like, like this. He's like, yeah, yeah, pull back. And I start, and then the plane starts going like this. Dude, I was squealing like a girl. I'm like, Going up over South Auburn, I was like, man, Auburn, I'm so, just all the way up. It's pretty legit, man. Like, it was kind of fun. Helped me a little bit, my fear of of flying. In that story, like, Casey's the expert. He knew everything that was going on. I knew nothing. I was fully trusting him. There's a sermon in there somewhere. See, here, here's the thing. Like, if we would have crashed that plane, nobody would have said, Matt killed Casey. They'd be like, Casey killed Matt. <laughs> I wasn't the flight instructor. I wasn't the pilot. 
Be like, good job, Casey. You killed the pastor in the plane. Here's the last point. Last point is this. If you're going to go into battle, you better fight to win. You better fight to win. I lo- man, I, lo- I lo- Dude, if you don't read your Bible, you should, because there's some good, good stories of this, man. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. He ran, he wasn't even afraid. He ran towards the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone and he slung it and he struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell his face to his earth, fell his, fell his face to the earth. He destroyed the, the, the Philistine, right? So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. He's dead. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran, so the dude's already dead, so then he runs up to him after he's dead, and he stands over the Philistine, takes out his sword, the Philistine sword, and he drew it out of his sheath, and he killed him, and he cut off his head. Man, that's a great story. The guy's already dead, and he runs up on him, and he chops his head off, and goes, let's make sure he's really, really dead. <laughs> I don't know about you, man. I'm going to fight to win. Like, I'm going to like, you guys, let's make sure this Goliath is never coming back. Let's make sure this guy isn't going to come back and do it. He might be dead, but we're going to make sure that this guy is dead. Some people say, well, you know, God doesn't love violence. And he doesn't love violence. You know what violence is? Violence is an unjust action of aggression. That's a, This isn't violence. This is annihilation. Completely different words, man. Read your Bibles, man. Sometimes the, sometimes the answer is annihilation. Sometimes God's like, you want, use the jawbone of an ass and go in and just slay them all. Like that's, that's what the Bible says, man. I'm just going to take what it says. David wasn't leaving anything to chance. This Goliath was going down and not coming back. Ecclesiastes 3.8, a time to love, a time to hate, a time of war. And a time of peace. And this was a time of war, folks. This is a time to win over the Philistines, to be the victor, and to not relent. I mean, David's the one that said in uh, Psalm 139, Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty man, for they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. He's going to fight to win, man. What does it mean to you? Folks, if you're going into a spiritual battle, you better fight to win. Man, you better come with everything that you got. Don't come into this thing halfway. We'll see what happens. If it's t- if it comes time for a spiritual fight, you better come at that thing with every last thing that you have. First Corinthians chapter nine talks about running a race in such a way to win. And he says, you know what? Some people run for an imperishable crown, uh, for a perishable crown, but we should run even harder for an imperishable crown. You work so hard at everything else in your life. Why would you not fight to win in your relationship with God? Folks, this Christian life isn't a joke. This is serious business. And, and And I wish that sometimes I could tell you that the sin that happens in the church, not just the global church, our church specifically, people that are in sin. People are like, oh my gosh, how did he know? 
Because what happens is that people fall into sin, they lie, they hide it, and then because God's a gentleman, he'll give them a chance to get out of it, and then they don't, and then he has to make it public because he cares about the individual and getting the sin out of it, out of their life. And so when I preach these sermons about staying away from sin and getting your life right, it's not because I get some morbid pleasure out of doing it, it's because I love you. And I don't want to see destruction befall you. It's funny, people that are living righteously or want to live righteously are never like, why does he keep talking about sin? The people that are in sin are like, how much longer is this going to happen until you stop sinning? Until you get it out of your life, man. There's people that are in this room right now that are on the edge of destruction. And you may end up destroying your life, but it's not going to be because I didn't tell you the truth. I'm not going to stand before God. And you're like, well, no one ever told me. No, I'm telling you, man. Sin will kill you and it will destroy you. It will destroy your life. Get rid of it, man. God loves you, but you've got to get the sin out of your life. Not, Not just some of it, all of it. Get relentless, man. Hit that sin with a stone in the forehead and then come up with a, and start hacking the head off of that thing. Man, I ain't letting this thing come back. I'm not going to let this thing live. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to kill it. I'm going to cut its head off. I'm going to end with a story this morning. I played high school football. Wasn't that good at it. I was all right. I, my, my, my biggest thing that I had in high school football is I was in the way. Like when you're a big guy, they just kind of shove you on the offensive or defensive line. And at the minimum, you can just kind of be in the way. <laughs> and so, uh, as many of you know, I, I went to the illustrious Ballard High School, Go Beavers. And uh, I think it was my junior year, a, a team from Eastern Washington came over to play us. And we didn't know who these guys were. And so we were a bunch of Seattle guys. And we're rough and tough and all this other stuff. We're going to destroy these guys. It's from a little town called Prosser. And uh, um, Prosser Mustangs. And so it was our homecoming. Never heard of Prosser. Never played them before. Prosser shows up at our homecoming and beats us 69 to 0. <laughs> oh my gosh, man. It was, dude, it was a rout. I remember walking out, we played at Memorial Stadium, and I remember walking out, all the cheerleaders like, yay! Like, I had seen what we, like, walked around them and just got on the bus. Like, we didn't... And so it was my junior year, and so they did some special thing where they came over here, and then the next year, we rode buses over there to play them. So for that next year, we were like, we're going to get these dudes hitting the weight, special plays, you know, Fumbaruski, hook and ladder. Like, we're doing everything that we can. We're like, we're going to get these guys. So we ride the buses over to Prosser. Um, they beat us 72 to zero that time. <laughs> I mean, they had, they had their third string in on us in the fourth quarter. Freshmen just destroying us as seniors. Oh, it's a long ride home that day. Why'd I tell you that story, man? Be Prosser. Okay. Don't be Ballard, be Prosser. <laughs> Utterly and completely destroy it in such a way that you never... I, I don't even stop there for ice cream on my way to Yakima. Like, I don't even want to remember it. I'm just like, just keep driving. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? Hey, if you've never given your life to Jesus today, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. It's really quite easy, man. Either you're living for Jesus or you're not. You've given your life to him or you haven't. Either you've been forgiven of your sins or you're living in your sins. 
Being a Christian is the hardest thing you'll do with the easiest step. All you have to do is come to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins and receive me. And he'll forgive you, man. He'll give you a new life. But it's not some sort of like superstitious, like, oh, I'm going to go say this prayer so I can go back living how I want to live. It's a complete change of direction in your life where you would say, I'm done living for myself. I'm ready to live for Jesus, his strength. If you've never made that decision before and you'd like to do it for the first time, we want to pray with you today. I'd like you to raise your hand right now and say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? Hand held high. Okay. We had a young man give his life to Jesus first service. I always like to tell you guys that. I'm going to keep asking every week until Jesus comes back. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the Lord spoke to you this morning in this sermon, whatever it is. Would you just receive it, God? We thank you for speaking to us this morning, God. And we pray that we would live a life that's trusting you, God. That we would arm ourselves with your strength, your power, your spirit, God. Not in our own strength. God, this life is a battle and we so desperately need you, God. But we're going to do it with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for that.